English is a wonderful language. I English well. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the Pie Factory Podcast. Hey. It's for horses. Oh, really? Is that the way it is? And grass is cheaper. Oh. Oh, well. That's a deep subject. (laughs) Two. Two in a row. So... How are you? Oh goodness, I'm uh, I'm a little bit tired. Oh, uh, huh. I that's that's all I can say. I'm a little bit tired. Yeah. Been busy and, with uh, work, and yeah. yeah, I'm tired and hot. Oh, because I can't have my a fan on oh. while we record. Otherwise, it'll create noise in the background. Hmm. And uh, I, you know what? Oh. People may have forgotten what podcast this is because we we're back from hiatus. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I think we should tell them that they're probably listening to Pie Factory Podcast. I hope they are, or else there's yep. something really weird with how things are being powered in the potosphere. We can't guarantee it. No, no, no. But there's not. a high probability. Yeah. So. <sighs> so you've been tired, and I'm tired yeah. and hot and loving life to the fullest. Actually, next weekend, uh, the weekend after we record this, I'm taking my uh, son downstate, and we're going to go do a little hiking down Ooh, there. Nice. So that's going to be fun. So, Illinois isn't all flat lands. Uh, no. The northwest corner of the state is uh, hilly and beautiful because, you know, next to Wisconsin. And downstate yeah. Illinois is like, it's seriously almost mountain-like down there. It's really awesome in southern Illinois. They got... Uh, Lots of hiking. You got the Shawnee National Forest. You got wineries and vineyards and Giant City State Park, which is really awesome. If you're ever in Illinois, you got to make Southern Illinois a, a stop. It's a good five hour drive from Chicago. It's a but, boring uh, five hour drive from Chicago. Yeah. I'm, I'm planning on taking a different route this time instead of the way we usually do. Uh, usually we go state route 47 down to interstate 74 just outside champagne and then 57 but uh if you think 57 is boring 47 <laughs> is insanely boring 47 is the boringest road i've ever been on there's only two saving graces about uh, route 47 and they're uh, 60 miles south of me they're in the sit- town of uh i think it's gibson city mm. you can see they have a gigantic ass uh Grain elevator. It's like the biggest one I've ever seen in my life. It stretches for must be for a mile. Wow. You can see that for miles around. And they've got a, a a German restaurant in town, which sadly is closing at the end of August. So I'm thinking, yeah. me and my son might uh, come up that direction on the way back and uh, hit it up. I've never been there. I've always wanted to go because I heard it's really good. But they're closing up. They decided to retire. So, ah. but uh, yeah, we're planning on going uh, Route 47 to. 55 to Shamban or not Shambana, to uh, Bloomington Normal and taking US 51 down to uh, Interstate uh, 57 from there. Hmm. So we we go through the delightful metropolis of Decatur, Illinois, which is Ooh. one of the worst places to live in the state. From really? What I understand. So, uh, I mean, first of all, its main industry is corn. And there's so many grain processing plants that, there that there is a literal odor over the city. Oh, it's wow. Not, it's not good. But last weekend we actually went to the state fair. We uh, we camped there, or not camped. Uh, got a hotel there, and uh, the hotel was decent enough. But um, I think there was something interesting that happened at the state. Well, we were there because my son got to represent um, his 4-H club for a thing that he had done. They, he he got chosen to go to the state fair, ah. and so he had an exhibit there. 
And um, you know what? I kind of like the state fair. It's uh, it's a lot of nothing, but uh, obviously it's mostly like uh, crops and livestock. Yeah. But they got a lot of other things to do there too. They got like a a little carnival. They have a uh, there's a horse race track on site, but uh, they uh, they have concerts there at night. A few years ago, Steely Dan performed there, but didn't get to see him. That's a separate fee. The Illinois State Department of uh, Conservation, or Department of Natural Resources, I think they call it now, has their headquarters on site, and they have a little area there called Conservation World, which was really kind of cool, all the exhibits and stuff they had. But every time I go there, I look at the giant steel and glass building that the State Department of Natural Resources has, thinking how many millions they spent on it, and then I think, gee... I don't know if these people have been hiking on the trails at Starved Rock yet, but they need a lot of maintenance. So, I don't know. That's as political as I'm going to get on this podcast. I've never been to a state fair, so i got to take your word for it. I'd like to go sometime. It's worth it to see the butter cow. Of course. Now, Iowa is known for their butter cow at their state fair, but Illinois has got a pretty pretty uh, awesome one, too. I think they use the same designer, actually, as uh, I. I no, use. I, I, they, I think they're totally different. I, I think it's a different. Did. No, I think it's a it's a different artist every year. I think in Illinois, I don't know. I can't, I can't speak to Iowa. Hmm. It's oh, the grounds are huge, and there's like a there, and it's like it's like right on the edge of the Sangamon River Valley. So there's like some hills on the western part of the fairgrounds that you got to walk up and down. So it's uh, hmm. interesting, but it, I had fun. My favorite exhibit there is the Future Farmers of America. I don't know. I guess it's a barn. It's a small barn. And they have little baby animals in there, Aww. like bunnies and goats and chickies and ducks and moo cows and piggies. How about puppies? No, no puppies. Ah. But uh, they also have a piglet birthing center where you can uh, watch pigs give birth. Oh. Yeah. And uh, piglets are cute. Of course. Watching a pig give birth to a piglet is not. <laughs> I, I can't it. imagine it would be. And, it's, and it stinks. However, it's worth it to go because you can get a coupon for the commodities Bacon? pavilion, oh. where you can get a uh, free drink with a uh, with any pork product purchased at the uh, commodities pavilion, and mm. they have awesome pork burgers. And um, I think after having been there a few times, I prefer pork burgers to uh, to hamburgers because pork burgers are so much more flavorful. They're amazing. So get yourself some good ground pork. Put a little garlic in it, maybe a little fresh black pepper, a little salt. Cook those up. You'll thank me. I, I'm i always disappointed by pork, though. That sounds like a ABC After School special. Disappointed by pork. Hmm. I'm okay with ham and bacon, but pork? I like ham. It's just it's very little flavor to me. I don't know. Even okay, grilled. Another rant here is like all the almost all the fast food joints have like ham sandwiches for their breakfast, like ham and cheese, a ham, egg and cheese bagels or whatever. But it's always that thin shaved ham. If I'm going to want to have ham oh, for yeah. breakfast, it's got to be a freaking ham steak. I'm sorry. The first fast food joint that uh, gets a ham steak breakfast sandwich, I will be forever in their debt. Ham steaks. It's what's for dinner. I did some traveling myself. We did a road trip oh. from uh, San Francisco to San Diego. and uh, Wait, from San Francisco to San Diego? Yeah. Usually people either make the San Diego to LA or the LA to San Fran, but never usually the whole nine yards. Yeah, we did that before. Or 600 miles. We did that before going the other way from San Diego to San Francisco, but this time we did San Francisco to San Diego. Because I hadn't been to San Francisco in a while. I mm -hmm. really, really, really missed it. And uh, mm -hmm. so we went there. 
My and, daughter went to San Francisco over the summer. Oh, yeah. I remember. Her and her boyfriend's family went to California. And I'm jealous because they got to Yosemite National Park. <gasps> Always wanted to go there. Yeah, I haven't been to Yosemite yet, uh, but we we, we took it was uh, we took one hundred and one. Do they call yes. U.S. highways the over there, or is that just interstates? Would they would they say that, the one hundred and one? I don't know. I do know. I think further north in the state, one hundred and one is Redwoods Highway. Ah, which I've been on one hundred and one up there, and then uh, just north of San Francisco in Marin County, we camped at a place called Jedediah. No, not Jedediah Smith Redwoods. We camped there, but that's up north by the Redwoods. Uh, uh, Samuel P. Taylor State Park back in 1978, and uh, we were going to take a little tour of Point Reyes National uh, Seashore there, but uh, yeah, they uh, every it was getting dark, so we didn't have really the time to see anything. But uh, but it was cool uh, going to. It's rather scenic going down 101, but we took what was supposed to be a shortcut. Uh huh. It just uh, it was only for a few miles, but it, I realized that for pretty much that entire so called shortcut, I was mm-hmm. riding the brakes. Because you're going downhill the whole time. Yep, I bet. And there was a cop on my ass, like about a few inches away from my bumper. And it's like, yeah, I if I do a single tiny tad more than the speed limit, you're going to pull me over. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no. It's like, just, dude, just go around me. But we found out later that shortcut is really not really that much of a shortcut. So... I don't know, but really mm. scenic. Um, oh, I love going through San Onofre. Uh, I just yeah. heard some bad news, though. Oh? Those giant boobs in San Onofre that stick out of the ground. Oh, made famous in the movie uh, The Naked Gun. That's correct, yes. Everywhere I look, something reminds me of her. It's a power plant that shut down some years ago, and they're going to be demolishing it soon. Isn't that Was that a coal plant or a nuclear plant? I can't remember. I don't know. I don't know. But I was I was disappointed to hear that. Oh. So, yeah, we did that. Uh, and then the day after we got back home, we buried my father. So, hey, excitement wow. all around. Good times. Yeah. Not really, but, you know, hey. Actually, it really was. It was a really cool, quick, a quick but really cool military thing at the uh, National Cemetery. Yeah. So Your mom invited me to, like, the, the dinner after the service, and I can't remember why I couldn't show. Oh, you were doing this was that weekend. Yeah, Mike yeah. MS was that That's weekend, right. and I was heading up to say, and it eventually got canceled because of the rain. It, yeah, and, it uh, was brutally raining that day. And they rescheduled it, there, or they didn't reschedule it, but they made it, they changed it to where your registration can go to the Toyota Best Damn Bike Tour uh, in uh, huh. Pewaukee, uh, Wisconsin. And I only made it nine miles on the 50-mile route because hmm. I just, I'm not used to hills like that, and they were insane. Beautiful ass country, but you know, it's Ooh, ass country. Huh? But, yeah, and uh, had dinner at a supper club. I've always wanted to do that. Ooh. So, uh, I don't know if the place I went was actually a real traditional Wisconsin supper club or not. But uh, you know, all the reviews say it is. But I don't know. But Wisconsin is noted for their supper clubs. Yes, I'd like to go to one of those too. But. So I'm thinking if I really want the experience, I'm going to have to go to like a Northwoods supper club. Yeah, I don't know how authentic it is, but there's a restaurant not far from me, a couple of miles uh, away, a little mm-hmm. bit outside of the city, called L Woods, which is a uh, Wisconsin-style supper club kind of Ooh. place. Really mm-hmm. good food there. And uh, it's called L Woods because it's in Lincolnwood, Illinois, and so and they, they, the Northwoods kind of... Oh, you know, L Woods. I thought L like the L train. 
No, no, no. Okay, that was my first, my first thing. But um, and uh, what else? Oh, and speaking of bike, ooh, I, I'm excited because two weeks from the day after we're recording this, I get to ride my bike on Lakeshore Drive. Crap, I forgot to sign up for that. Well, you still do it. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to clear it with uh, with the powers that be. Yeah, and thing is, I am so out of practice. So oh, you and me practice. both. Oh. I'm still gonna for, I'm still gonna do the whole thirty miles. Still uh-huh. do the whole thirty miles, uh, and yeah, I'm really excited about that. So hopefully, it, the humidity and heat that we've had for like weeks oh, on God. end dissipates by then. But uh, just as an FYI, my daughter just uh, entered the room and gave me a handful of taffy. Ooh, let me have some of that. Oh, there you go. Thank you. Handful of taffy sounds like it should be like a Devo album. Ooh, I could see that. So, yeah, it's been an interesting summer for both of us. We haven't really gotten to any arcades, and I just uh, just really haven't had the time. It's been yeah. a busier than normal summer between that and the weather. The weather yeah. was like... Uh, yeah, me I will too. Say this. I will say this. Uh, when I bike MS St. Charles, even though they didn't have it, I did on the, uh, the Sunday it was supposed to be this year, even though it, it rained out, I found a neat little breakfast joint in St. Charles called Syrup. And, Syrup. Um, yeah, it's a, it's kind of like a upper class pancake house sort of Ugh. deal, but it was pretty good. It was pretty good, and I had dinner the night before at Wahlburgers. There's one in St. Charles, and um, I had a strawberry jalapeno margarita. It oh, was boy. so good. Oh gosh, it was good. Just enough strawberry and just enough heat. Ugh. I don't think I've ever had a margarita before, but it was good, and it didn't make me depressed, which is a nice thing. It's good. It's good. I had a margarita once at Navy Pier, so it's probably not authentic, uh-huh. but... Uh, probably not. Oh, what else is I going to say? Yeah, I, I haven't been making it to arcades that much. I mean, I try to go to some arcade at least once a month. July, I didn't go anywhere. Uh, August, uh-huh. I did go to uh, Underground Retrocade. Ooh, I got over half a million on Zookeeper. And Zookeeper? Yeah, yeah. and Nice. Even though we, I, I somehow didn't catch this when we talked about it, but all the the real scoring in Zookeeper is by jumping mm-hmm. over packs of animals. Right. Like, it, the score exponentially goes up the more animals you jump over. Like, one jump can land you 30,000 points. Yeah, they sort of kind of explain that in the demo mode, but yeah. they don't really give you much... Uh, tell you that it's a multiplier like if you're jumping over a lion and you get a bunch of them that sort of thing it's like a lot of times it's it's worth it to just let the animals break out just to jump over them you'll probably score more than if you get the bonus at the end yeah yeah and speaking of zookeeper i have the 2600 version now and and it is it it, i'll tell you this the control is a little bit weird Mm -hmm. i think but i think what it is it's uh simply because you're not used to that kind of controlling on a 2600 game, mm-hmm. but it really is a good overall conversion. Uh, very accurate, I think. Uh, there is a little bit of overcompensation on the bonus round, or not the bonus rounds, but the bonus life rounds where you have to earn mm-hmm. a bonus life. But other than that, it is so freaking impressive. I can't recommend it enough. Oh, and I, I was to say, I've played the demo of that and. The scene where the platforms are moving and the monkeys are throwing the coconuts down, uh, that seems way harder on the 2600 version than it does in the arcade to me. 
at least in the demo it did. I don't know if they tweaked the difficulty well, on it I in the th- final version. Yeah, I think it has to do with the, the controls might be a little bit oversensitive on that screen. I think that's my that that's my that, I think that might be the problem. That does sound like it. But I also got Dragon Cash for the 7800, a brand new homebrew, yeah. and uh, haven't had much of a chance to spend a lot of time with that. Uh, I think one of the big attractions for that is a competitive two-player mode, and there's mm-hmm. only one of me and my wife doesn't play video games, so uh-huh. I haven't gotten too deep in that, but it looks really, really, really nice, and I'm glad to have it. I just haven't had time to play the damn thing. Well, now, what is that? That's a puzzle game, right? It is a columns game. Okay. Is there a uh, new episode of the Atari 7800 Homebrew Podcast possibly coming? Well, it's always a possibility. Nice. I was going to ask you, mentioning the Zookeeper, that's Champ Games. Yes. Did, did they release the uh, his home, uh, his version of Robotron for the 26th? Oh, Oh, this week in Robotron. So, at any rate, did they release that game? I didn't know they were. Did I know they were? Oh, I did know they were working on it. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Robot War. I don't know. That's a pretty slick looking game. I mean, you got to use your imagination a little bit with the graphics, but uh, it plays exactly the same as the arcade game. And they they can you could do it one joystick, or you could do a two joystick version (laughs) for the you know the fire and the move and stuff. So, and. Seems to me the CX40s are actually probably going to be an easier joystick to make a couple or four if you want to do both of them. So I've been wanting, curious about that one. I don't have many 2600 homebrews. I've only got three Anguna, which I've talked about. The Synth Cart, which I think I've talked about. And um, uh, what was the other one? Uh, Circus Convoy, which I haven't played in a month or so. So Is that really even a homebrew, though? I mean, it's... Yeah, that's just the thing. You could go either way on an argument <laughs> on that argument. Okay, I'm just consider. I'm just. I'm going to consider it a homebrew because, though, yeah, I don't know because it was somebody created by people who've programmed commercial releases for the 2600. So maybe, and maybe it needs its own category. Oh, by the way, um, to answer your previous question, it doesn't look like Robot War 2684 is out. Uh, and the Champ Games website, it says coming in 2021, but it says target release June, which has already happened. Uh-huh. They got Gorf Arcade coming, Ladybug Arcade. Did I know about that? I mean, how much better can it be than the existing homebrew? That thing was amazing. But hey, uh, oh no. Uh oh. Games in progress, Lunar Lander. Good night. No, no, no. Don't. Ooh, there's a proof of concept of ripoff, too. Doesn't mean anything. It's just a proof of concept. Ooh, okay, so t- Robot t- com. War 2060, Gorf Arcade, Ladybug Arcade, coming in 2022, Turbo Arcade, Champ Sports Baseball. I'm really looking forward to that. That there sounds needs, interesting. I, I really wish somebody would do a good baseball game for the 7800, yeah. but the Champ Sports Baseball looks pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, Kicks, Tudoncom Arcade, Ripoff, Elevator Action. Knowing Champ Games, the elevator action is going to be a uh, be a from the ground up. Uh, oh, I see what you did uh, there. Port, yeah. Oh, <laughs> even though you go from the up down to the ground. Yeah. In elevator action. Keep in mind, but, it's uh, just a proof of concept. It doesn't necessarily right. mean they're actually working on it. But uh, the, I hope they do the kicks one because that looks uh, interesting. 
there used to be discussion on Atari Age about why Kix was never ported to the 2600. It had something to do with the memory or lack thereof <laughs> on the on the console because of how you can make different shapes and the memory had to keep track of it different ways or whatever. But uh, if anybody's going to be able to do it, it's going to be Champ Games. Oh, of course. So anyway, yeah, right. there we go. So, well, you might be wondering what I've been playing. What but, have you been um, playing, Jimmy G, Jimmy G? I haven't been playing much of anything, uh, with the exception of in the last couple of weeks, I purchased uh, Game Builder Garage for the Nintendo Switch. It's basically a game engine. You can develop your own games on it. And they got a, a series of tutorials on how to use it with like uh, puzzles between each uh, tutorial levels to, to test your knowledge on how to run it. And it's actually quite a fun little uh, fun little uh, dealy there. So uh, it's if you have a Switch, it's worth looking into. I think it's 30 bucks. But uh, yeah, there's a couple of drawbacks to it is that uh, if you want to check out something somebody else has done, you have to find a code somewhere on the internet for that particular game that they've developed. And you can't edit music. You have to use the built-in music for your games, which is weird because you can use, uh, well, maybe it's not so weird because I imagine a, a music creation app for that thing probably take up a lot more space and memory too, though. Good. So, But there is a, you can change the sprites or 3D objects to look exactly how you want them to look. So, but it's fun. If anyone has a Switch, it's, I highly suggest uh, checking it out. So with that, um, we do have an email, but... Oh. Uh, uh, from Eugenio. He yes. sent it a while ago. Uh, Hold I got on a it sec. Here somewhere. Hold on. F-E-E-D-B-A-C. Feedback. 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 But uh, we will. Uh, he's got uh, some thoughts on Mikey and name that tune as well as Toy Pop and Bubble Bobble. You want to just. You want to read half of it now or yeah. you want to just read yeah, the whole that's, thing that's at the end? That's what I would like to do. Okay, so uh, it's a kind of a short uh, email here, but uh, so I'll just read the first half, and then you can read, the, and then we'll split them up later, the other two. So, uh, <clears throat> greetings, Jim and Sean. Greetings, Eugenio. I hope the two of you are well. I'm glad to hear that you've been vaccinated already. I sent my email with feedback just a little bit too late, and you were not able to include it in the last episode. So I'm combining my feedback for the games from that episode and the games on this episode. Here it goes. Mikey. This is a game I've never heard of before. I did a search for it and watched some videos. I like the music in the game since it plays the classic Beatles songs Hard Day's Night and Twist and Shout, though at an accelerated tempo. The game itself doesn't look very interesting, though, despite it having various rooms for the player to move Mikey through to collect the hearts. I'm curious what you guys say of this game. Well, you already know. <laughs> uh, two, name that tune. I have never seen this game or the game show it is based on. I did find a video of the game to get an idea of what it was like. From the videos, I'd say this would be a cool game to have at home for parties. I can imagine yep. competing with friends to guess the musical tunes. Having the arcade at home might be impractical, though. Were there any home versions of this game? No home versions that we're aware of, and this would be kind of a cool game for parties. I think he oh, yeah. hit on something there. But actually, Owen Rubin said in an interview that... Uh, uh, what was it? Uh, uh, Bally Sente mismarketed this thing. They marketed it toward arcades, and Owen Rubin was exactly right when he was saying that they should have marketed it toward bars because I think that that would have been a killer. Oh yeah, game in bars. Oh, I totally agree. So that's the uh, first part of Eugenio's email, and uh, we'll read the rest of it later. Yep. Hopefully, that later means later this episode. Knowing us, we might totally forget it. Yeah, we might read it like two months later. Like Hyde sends us the finished version, and, and it's like, crap, we forgot Eugenio. Oh, by the way, um, I heard that um, 
uh, Hyde isn't sending demos of the podcast to us via punch card anymore. Now he's using magnetic reel-to-reel uh, data tape. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's only slightly less inconvenient. Yeah, so. but I still have to take it over to the uh, the hacker space and have him work it out for us. So, but whatever he's he he says it's security through obscurity. So, well, that's the he, thing. He's been to very do. he's very paranoid about security. I mean, some of our uh, nuclear launch facilities in the U.S. are still controlled by floppy disk. So I don't know if that's true anymore. Although that was a thing, but uh, mm-hmm. with all of that having been said, do we have any addenda or errata? I don't think we do. Oh man, see, I totally forgot everything we ever did. Hmm. So I don't remember if there was anything. Um, the only addenda and errata I have is just basically saying that our website really sucks because it counts the episode we did before this one as 124, but it really shouldn't have an episode number because right now we're recording 123. So <laughs> I don't know. Other than that, yeah, yeah. Don't don't look at the episode number on the website. As soon as it gets revamped, it'll be a little bit more accurate, if not much more accurate. But yeah. Just rely on it for, for show notes. Technically, we're episode 126, or I'm sorry, 125 right now, but uh, wait. Well, then that it's wrong? the 125th yeah, thing 125. we're recording, but you know, in terms yeah. of the ones that are actually numbered, assigned a Which, number. Uh, ooh, we're not too far from 125. Another arbitrary number. Oh. So at any rate, with that, uh, should we move on to our games? Or Let's move on to our games. All righty. And uh, let us talk about... Uh, you wanna you wanna choose? Uh, yeah, um, I would like to choose toy pop. Do 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 do. Oh no no. One of the reasons that I'm choosing toy pop right now is because my throat, for some reason, is very gurgly, and I figured maybe by talking enough, I could help keep it clear. Oh, so there we go. Having said that, toy pop, and I can mute my microphone and turn a fan on to get cool. And that's the thing. I can, for some reason I cannot. The way I have this set up now, I can't really mute the microphone. No, no, no. Because I'm I'm not using the uh, the blue yeti for this right now. I'm using mm-hmm. a Shure microphone, and it was a, I invested some money way back when. <laughs> so, <laughs> Mister Mute Microphone. Hey, good looking. We'll be back to. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! <laughs> so, um, so Toy Pop, you say? Oh yeah, Toy Pop. It was a Why? arcade game released in April 1986. As far as can be told, only in Japan by Namco. It was developed by Takafumi Hiodo. The artwork was done by Hiroshi Fuji, and the music was done by Junko Ozawa. And uh, she also did the music and or sound programming for Dig Dug 2, Gaplus, and Pac-Mania, among other games. Uh, A little bit of trivia for those listening. Uh, Lately, I have been interested in the control panels of the games we talk about. Uh, You know how hard it is to find a picture of a Toy Pop cabinet? (laughs) No. It's difficult. It's difficult. Uh, The one picture I was able to find that had the control panel... There was a joystick and two fire buttons for each player. The player on the left had the joystick on the right and the buttons on the left, and the player on the right has the joystick on the left and the buttons on the right. Uh, Not sure why the two players have to be opposite-handed, and I'm also not sure why there were two fire buttons, because the game really only uses one. My thought is it might have been a custom 
control panel or maybe a conversion or something. But let's talk about the game itself. The gameplay takes place inside what is apparently a toy shop. And uh, your character is a marionette named Pino. Uh, That's the player one character. The player two character, should a player two decide to join, controls a marionette named Acha. If I'm not mistaken, isn't Pino the original name for Pinocchio? I don't know. I don't know. Because I asked that for, because there's a a horror movie from years back called Pinocchio's Revenge, where I could have sworn that... uh, Pinocchio was called Pino, and let's be honest, the uh, the character of Pino in this game looks like Pinocchio. Huh. I've been so out of it that I never even made that connection. But yeah, that makes total sense. Total sense. A quick Wikipedia lookup does not confirm or deny that, so oh well. Now I'm curious as to where the uh, marionette named Acha comes from. Hmm. If you play a two-player game, it is a two-player cooperative at the same time you don't take turns. The goal is, uh, depending on what source you believe, you have to rescue a friend or a bunch of friends. For what it's worth, the screen at the beginning of the game says, and I quote, Pino and Acha are going to Maggio's castle to save friend. So, make of that what you will. But what you're doing is maneuvering through a series of mazes that are called boxes. So I guess you're going from toy box to toy box to toy box. There are 44 boxes in all. Your goal is to collect all the hearts in each of these boxes. Once you collect all the hearts, you can move on to the next box. Somewhere in each box, there is a doorway with two doors, and they open wider and wider every time you collect a heart. And uh, when it gets so wide open that you don't see a door anymore, that means you can exit and move on to the next box. Uh, Hearts, by the way, are embedded in various objects that you have to shoot multiple times. It could be in a bottle or this thing that looks like an inverted light bulb. And by the way, a lot of my description is going to be based on observation because uh, the only manuals and flyers I was able to find were in Japanese, and I don't really read Japanese. So, uh, yeah, I apologize, but that's the way it is. Uh, There are gift packages all over the maze, and there are various items hidden in these gift packages. Sometimes uh, you might find food, like a donut or a piece of candy or something like that. Sometimes it's a weapon. Starting with box two, one or more of those boxes might have a boxing glove on a spring, and it springs out and hits you. Uh, If it does hit you, it makes you kind of paralyzed for a few seconds, but you can still shoot. And um, the boxing glove, by the way, only works on Acha or Pino. It'll never work on the enemies. Isn't that the way video games are? Or the box itself might be empty. Uh, In later boxes, there are force fields or arms or something that come out of the pack. Well, not really arms. Oh, yeah, I guess arms. They're like springy claw arms that might pop out of the packages kind of in waves. And um, another thing you might find, if you shoot a package open, you might expose a fireball generator that uh, a few seconds later shoots out fireballs in four directions in a radius of about three spaces, and it destroys uh, anything destroyable in those uh, ranges, I guess. Uh, There might be a number seven in one of those packages, so grab the seven. Oh, might there be? There just might be. 
Nice. Just keep grabbing those sevens, and if you get three sevens, they're kind of like slot machine sevens, if you get three of them, you're surrounded by what looks like a tornado, a think the Tasmanian devil, except you can still see your character. It gives you the ability to move faster around the screen, and you are invulnerable to your enemies, and not only that, but anything destroyable that you touch gets destroyed. So it's basically kind of a uh, invincibility field in a way. It's much to your advantage. Once in a while, you're going to happen upon a block in the maze that uh, can be shot away. Now, that's especially helpful to know because there's also, in some boxes, there's a little thingy you can step on that teleports you to a different part of the box. The first teleporter, if you step on that, it teleports you to the lower left corner of the screen, which is totally surrounded by a maze wall. Turns out you can actually shoot one of those uh, bricks away. Now, at the beginning of each box, there is a little kind of transition animation that shows you which enemies you're going to be facing in that box. And uh, I'll talk about those enemies right now. There's Hitai, which is a wind-up soldier. You might see a bunch of those. There's a robot, a car. There's a character called Dom Dom, which is a bubble. And the thing about Dom Dom is that the Dom Doms can actually float over the walls, unlike the other enemies. And it is a pain in the butt to deal with the dom-doms because they have the ability to go through walls or go over the walls. They can line up in ways that you can't possibly uh, shoot at them. Uh, there's uh, Osaru, or it might be pronounced Osar for all I know, uh, which is a monkey with hand symbols. Basically, your enemies monkey. are types of toys. Monkeys are always nice. Except when they fling poo at you. Of course, but I don't know about that. Monkeys are bad people, and there's a whole song about that. So why would I deny Logan Whitehurst? But uh, anyway, there's a blue monster that carries what looks like a matchstick. Well, I think it is a matchstick, wait, actually. Wait, wait. Pumping the monster. Yeah. Okay. So the blue monster carries a matchstick and wears what looks like one of those like uh, sandwich boards. That's the Ace of Hearts. Uh, that blue monster is called Trump. I guess it's a pun based on car. And here's a, okay. I got a problem with this enemy having the name Trump and I'll tell you why. Okay. I like playing Euchre. I hardly ever do play Euchre because I can never get three other people together to agree to play Euchre. But when I do, I love it. And at least in terms of Euchre playing, when a suit is declared to be Trump, the high card is the jack of that soup. Soup? Jack of that soup. suit. Jack soup. Which means that the ace of hearts is never going to be the high card. If hearts is trump, the jack of hearts is the highest card, followed by the jack of diamonds, which temporarily becomes a heart, and then the ace of hearts. So the ace of hearts is always the third highest trump. But anyway, moving on. There is another enemy called Mahu which I believe is some kind of a wizard. I don't think you can destroy Mahu. And of course, the boss character is Maggio, whom I mentioned before, who From apparently Maggio. kidnapped Pino and Acha's friends. And that's whom you're rescuing the friends from. And each of those enemies has to be hit with a certain weapon. And uh, just to give you a little heads up, the tanks can fire at you, but if you shoot a bomb at them, you can intercept their fire, and the Trumps will shoot lit matches at you. 
So you got to watch out for those enemies who might fire at you. And speaking of weapons, the weapons can be found by shooting the gift wrap packages. The first weapon is very basic. It looks like a ping pong ball that can only destroy the high tie, the uh, wind up soldiers. There's also something that looks like, I don't know, a, a blue tire or something. You can use that to destroy wind-up cars. Uh, there's a bomb. It, uh, the bomb looks like one of those cartoon bowling ball bombs, except it's brown. Uh, those destroy the tanks. Uh, there is a tack, a push pin, if you will. Those you use to destroy dom-doms. There's a fireball you can pick up and use those to destroy trumps with. Lightning bolts can destroy robots. Uh, there's a unique feature about lightning bolts is that they will stun the other enemies. If you shoot another enemy with a lightning bolt, it'll become paralyzed for a few seconds. And a fun fact for you, every weapon can destroy Hatai soldiers except the lightning bolt. The lightning bolt will merely stun them. That was a fun fact. I don't lie, dude. I'm the no, liar. No, you don't. That's, yeah. like, that's like six flags worth of fun there. It's not that unfun. Uh, hey, now. Anyway, uh, there's also, uh, here's the thing. In the game, one of the other weapons, it looks, it's a blue thing that kind of looks like a slinky or a barrel or something like that, but it fires some kind of discs or something, and that's what you can use to destroy the Osaru or Osar, the monkey. And the, there's an arcade flyer, though, that has all the weapons hand-drawn, but this one looks like a spring in the hand-drawn version, so I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, if you make it to the 44th box, which is very difficult, by the way, I, I can only make it to like the 6th or 7th personally. But if you make it all the way to the 44th, that's the boss level. The maze is wide open, but it does have invisible containers, and you have to find them by shooting at them. And uh, the containers will have the hearts. And when you collect all the hearts, your friend or friends will be free. That's the game. That's how to play Toy Pop. There is some scoring, of course, obviously. It's a low-scoring game. If you go to YouTube and you watch somebody finish the game, the score is only going to be like 150,000 points or something hmm. to that effect. It's totally understandable why, because if you destroy an enemy, you don't get that many points. You get 10 points for every Hatai, 20 points for every wind-up car, 30 points for a tank, 40 points for a Trump or a robot or Osaru, mm -hmm. uh, 50 points for a Dom Dom. Even the bonus items aren't worth that much. A piece of candy is 10 points. Uh, the number seven is 20 points. The donut is 200 points. The cake is 100 points. There's something that looks like a piece of tiramisu, I think. And uh, that's 300 points. You get 20 points for picking up a weapon, 50 points for picking up a heart. Oh, there's one other thing. You can, there are a couple of other things you can pick up, by the way. Um, something that I need to mention, by the way is that you get three lives by default, and you can get bonus lives. Mm -hmm. And you get a bonus life by picking up a flag with a letter S. I think it's like one of those things you see in uh, Rally X. It takes actually two hits to lose a life. When you get your first hit, your character's shirt comes off, revealing an undershirt. Yes. One of the items you can pick up by shooting a, one of the gift packages is a shirt. There's a challenge to that, too, because if you're playing a two-player game and you uncover a blue shirt, only Pino can pick it up. And if you uncover a red shirt, only Acha can pick it up. Hmm. 
does the person with the red shirt always die or is that just Star Trek? Always dies. Well, I shouldn't say always die because number one, even in Star Trek, statistically, the red shirt people, there are other color shirts that actually die more than the red shirt statistically. Ah. And number two, Asha will only die if you don't finish the game. So there you go. The same thing you said for Pino, of course, but the purpose of the shirt is it will restore your hit count. So it kind of gives you an extra half life, if you will. And uh, I know there was, uh, there's also a, f- uh, a shoe that you can pick up, and I think it makes you move a little bit faster. And I know there was another, oh, what the heck is it? There's something else you can pick up that gets tallied at the bottom of the screen, but darned if I can remember, because I can't. But, oh, well. That's really the toy pop gameplay and the scoring. So uh, might as well talk about some trivia. Uh, there was sure. an audio release of the game's soundtrack. Did you know that, Jimmy G? I do now. Well, you know now. 2013, there was a uh, digital collection released by Namco Sounds called Toy Pop Original Soundtrack. In addition to that, you can get the Toy Pop theme on vinyl from a uh, Japanese company called Victor. That's the name of the record label. And the uh, it's on the compilations called Namco Video Game Graffiti. It's on both Volume 2 and Volume 3. There are some home versions uh, on the Sharp X1 and the Sharp X68000, both of which I believe were only available in Japan. And for all I know, they might be technically the same technology and ergo the same game. I don't know. But uh, that's it. I don't think there are any real true sequels to this. I have never seen a toy pop in the arcade. Uh, One peculiar thing I noticed is that on the marquee, in the flyers, in the manuals everywhere, toy pop is spelled as one six-letter word. But for some reason, if you look it up on Wikipedia or ArcadeHistory.com or any other kind of reference, it's split up as toy pop, two three-letter words. So I don't know what's going on there. I just don't know. I just don't know. So uh, Jimmy G, thoughts on uh, toy pop? No, not really. Good. I, I, you know what? I always say that, and I always continue uh, follow that up with my thoughts. You ever notice that? No, nah, I, I don't pay that attention. That just kind of that just occurred to me. Hmm. Well, uh, first of all, I've never seen this in the arcade. I, <laughs> Neither I have I. Does the Galloping Ghost have it? Nope. Okay. So yeah, I've never seen that. Oh, the, well, you said it was well. Having it released only in Japan doesn't mean that Ghost doesn't necessarily have it. They have some. They have a lot of. They Japanese have some. Only they have a lot of Japanese only stuff. Tinkle Pit for one. Yeah. But um, I like the music. I love that music. Junko Ozawa did a good job of it. It sounds mm-hmm. kind of like jangly, old-timey Western saloon music. Yeah, I guess so in a way. And, um, and the graphics are cutesy. They do the job. I like mm-hmm. the uh, the mechanic of uh, certain enemies can only be destroyed with certain weapons. And I kind of like that. Uh, I do like that you don't have to destroy all the enemies to get to the next round. Because if that was the case, you I've played a few rounds where I've tried to uh, destroy all the enemies, and uh, what happens? Hmm. And what happens is I run out of the uh, the weapon that I need to defeat the uh, enemies that are left over. So and that's happened a few times. So that's that's always uh, kind of nice. I really need to have more experience with this one. Yeah. Um, I do know that uh, this is one of uh, listener Chris Plus Plus's favorite games. Yeah. In fact, I think he uh, he has an article about it on his website. Uh, was it Classic Gaming Bookcast? 
Yeah, it's an ebook actually. It's yeah, that's how I actually heard about. Well, I might have first heard about it through that, but I'm not sure. Uh, there is something that he said in that book that I would like to uh, read here. Um, let me see. Uh, by the way, the website is orphanedgames.com. Orphanedgames.com. Link in the show notes. But let me see. Here's what he's. What? Oh, bite my ass. So this book cannot well, be opened. Well, if you insist. <sighs> All right, let me try that again because there, it, it it does open with a really good. This operation can't be completed. Oh, here we go. Here we go. This is how his article on Toy Pop starts. I don't know what the reasoning was behind the title. They can't possibly all be inflatable, but the game itself is such a blast that it could have been called Screens Full of Squares, and it wouldn't have made a difference. So, Screens Full of Squares. Which, yeah, it pretty much is... Oh, stars. You can pick up stars, too, but I have not been able to ascertain what the stars do. I don't know if they're, like, extra life thingies or what. Yes, actually, uh, wait. No, was it the sevens or the stars I picked up? One of them I picked up three of them, and I turned into, like, a little tornado and started destroying things. That was the seven. That was the seven, okay. I don't know about the stars. Oh, and by the way, you're also given a time limit on each box. I think it's it's 90, but it's not actually seconds. It clicks down a little bit faster than a second, and you have to clear the round in 90 seconds. And if you clear, or not clear the round, but you have to pick up all those hearts within 90 seconds. If you destroy all the enemies in addition to that, you get a bonus for destroying the enemies, and you'll also get a leftover time bonus, 10 points per leftover click of time. But you have to do both to get the bonus, at least as far as I was able to ascertain. 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 Isn't that an artificial sweetener, ascertain? Yeah. Okay. So do we have high scores on this? We do not. We do not. It's not listed on Twin Galaxies. There is an entry for it on Orcade.com, A-U-R-C-A-D-E.com, but there's no score tied to it. There are no locations tied to it. It's basically, I guess, a placeholder in that on that site. So, yeah, I don't know. Where we both first saw and or played this, obviously, MAME. Is it safe to say? Yeah, that's pretty safe to say. Yeah. And by the way, this, yeah, this is a rough game. It's a tough game. It's a very tough game. It's kind of a puzzle game in a way because you have to figure out where you're going to move in all this because it's not rant, at least how the gift packages are and how the walls are arranged is not random. You open a package with a boxing glove in it, it's going to mm-hmm. be in that same one every time you play the game. And it's always, by the way, in a package with a blue ribbon on it. Not all the blue ribbons have boxing gloves, but whenever you do see a boxing glove, it's probably going to be in a blue ribbon box. I'm just looking up here, uh, Pinocchio. Pinocchio is a cultural icon. He's one of the most re. This is from Wikipedia. One of the most reimagined characters in children's literature. His story has been adapted into many other media, notably the 1940 Disney film uh, Dumbo. I mean, Pinocchio. The author often used the Italian Tuscan dialect in his book. The name Pinocchio is a combination of the Italian words Pino, which is pine, and Occhio, which is eye. Pino is also an abbreviation of Giuseppino, the diminutive for Giuseppe, the Italian form of Joseph. Uh, one of the men who greatly influenced Collodi, who is the Carlo Collodi, is the uh, 
creator of the character. And his youth was Giuseppe Aliazzi, a prominent Italian manuscript 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 specialist who supervised Collodi at the Liberia Piatti Bookshop in Florence. Geppetto, the name of Pinocchio's creator and father, is diminutive for Geppo. The Tuscan pronunciation of seppo, meaning a log, stump, block, stock, or stub. Hmm. Just, uh, so... I, I thought Pino was another way to, to say Pinocchio, but no, it's it's a uh, combination of words. So. Hmm. I had to call it a marionette because, well, according to the classic gaming book cast, the uh, two characters, uh, player one, player two, they're puppets. But he also says you control their strings. But the thing is, that would make it a marionette. My grandma and I watched this. Three weeks we've been watching it, and last week she realizes they're strings. They're puppets. The marionettes, that's what they are. So, uh, how, what do you rate the game? Honestly, okay. What, how I rate this game, at fir- when I first sat down to play Toy Pop, I found it extremely frustrating. Mm. But after I gave it a couple of chances, I was really getting into it. It's, I like the strategies involved, and I like how there's a little bit of a puzzle to it, in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd have to say, out of our rating system of one through five inclusive continues i rate toy pop four continues okay i would really like to try to find uh toy pop as an arcade game for the reason being uh when i was playing it i was using uh my uh eight bit dough gamepad again great product buy it eight bit dough makes great products and the analog stick definitely is not a good thing for this and <laughs> i was getting the same I was still having some control problems with the uh, the D-pad. It could just be me, or it could be that this game really kind of needs an arcade stick, which is a possibility. And I was kind of having fun with it, but I need to really sit down with this game more. So I can't really say it's great, or I can't really say it's bad either. So far, I like what I've seen. So I'm going to give this, uh, I'm going to give it a three. I can see that. I can totally dig that. Yeah, I mean... That's kind of our go-to rating for something that we need more experience. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, which is fine, because it's like average, you know? Yeah, yeah, not good, not bad. You know, might not yeah. be something you're going to run for your life to play, but hey. Nope. So with that, we got a new... Uh, underwriter. Underwriter, yes. Uh, in the time we took off, there were a bunch of uh, people that were wanting to advertise on Pie Factory Podcast. So, uh, without further ado, Pie Factory Podcast is brought to you by... These people know what they want. Why? Because before they bought Replacement Wonders, they sent for this free book. It's got all the questions answered on Prime Replacement Wonders, and they're going to find peace of mind with Super Sage Wonder Company. So if you're serious about Replacement Wonders, call 583-4855, and I'll send you this book. Better yet, I'll bring it myself. We'll get serious together. Call Super Sash at 583-4855. Super Sash. And we're back. And we're glad to have them as sponsors. Yes. And if you need windows and sashes, uh, you know where to go. And uh, yeah, we get a little uh, little kickback from them. Yep. Yep. So Yeah, it gets that Chicago way. You get a little kickback. You know what I'm talking about? I'm sure yep. you do. I'm sure you just do. If you get serious about your winners. Windows and your sashes. Yep. All righty. So I think with that, we will talk about... Uh, the much beloved ah. Bubble Bubble. Bubble Bubble. Yes, Bubble Bubble. Released in August of 1986 by the uh, Taito Corp. Or Taito. Taito. I don't know why I said Taito. I always pronounce it Taito. It's because in English we had that vowel shift that I don't think anybody else had, but it's Taito. 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 It's a two player simultaneous game. Or one player. 
Well, yeah, you could. Each player has a two-way joystick, it only goes left or right, a jump button, and a bubble button. The object of the game is to defeat the enemies by shooting bubbles at them, then popping the bubbles with the enemies inside to finally kill them. There's a hundred levels in the game, and there is a boss character at level 100. It's the only boss character in the game. So what you do is you shoot your bubbles at the enemies, and if it hits the enemy, it will uh, encase the enemy, and then you got to jump on top of the bubble to uh, pop it. Really, this should be called Bubble Pop. Oh. Enemies that are caught in a bubble but not fast enough, they turn red, and they will eventually escape from the bubble. It's a single-screen game, just like Toy Pop was, and uh, however, it's... Uh, Toy Pop is an overhead view. This is a side view. So, you know, you got gravity uh, working against you. And uh, so every now and then on a level, there'll be like a hole on the bottom. Player or enemy falls off the bottom of the screen. They will reappear at the top. Every now and then you'll have some bubbles floating down. Some will have letters. And and if you uh, spell the word extend, you'll get a free life. And there are some other bubbles. If you see a bubble that contains fire, water, or lightning bolt, pop those and uh, you can unleash special powers. Fire Bubble sends flames onto the nearest platform, killing any enemies that come in contact. Lightning Bubble shoots a lightning bolt horizontally across the screen. The Water Bubble releases a river of water that cascades down the platforms to the bottom of the screen. Oh, that sounds so nice. It's uh, serene. It's very serene. And with this and the Lightning Bubble, if you, uh, say, pop it, the um, projectile, I guess, shoots out. Depends on which side of the bubble you pop it from. As far as enemies go... There's uh, one called Zen Chan, otherwise known as the Bubble Buster or Benzo. He, uh, he appears in round one. Maita, also known as Stoner <laughs> or Boris, he appears in round six. And there's Monsta, Yo, uh, also known as Beluga. He, he looks kind of like a whale. He also, he's, his, his other name Don't is Blubba. Don't get killed by the monster! First appears in round 10. Pulpol, also known as Hullabaloon or Boa Boa. He's in round 20. Bane Bow, otherwise known as Coily or Bonnie Bow. No, he's not coily like a snake. Watch out for snakes. He's in round 30. Hide Gansu, otherwise known as Incendo. That sounds like a uh, fiery superhero name. Uh, he first appears in round 40. There's one called Drunk. <laughs> I like his uh, his name. Willy Whistle. <laughs> also known as Bonner. He, re- he starts in round 50. Uh, there's another one called Invader, although Super Socket. Appears in round 60. And a super drunk, known as Grumple Gromit. I'm not sure if he likes new trousers or cheese. Uh, he's the boss character that Bub and Bob fight in the last round. There's the Skull Monster, otherwise known as Baron Von Blubba. He appears uh, if you spend too much time in a round. He's kind of like the uh, pterodactyl in Joust. Yes. Uh, he he yes. performs that same sort of function. And finally, there's one called Rascal, which also appears if you were, if you linger too long in a secret room, Ooh. which uh, I've been able to get to a secret room. I've just never been able to that actually enter it because of the layout of the level. But anyway, scoring. By bursting a bubble, you get 10 points. Killing one monster, 1,000 points. Two monsters at once, 2,000. Three monsters at once, 4,000. Points double for each extra monster killed at any one time. So you, if you kill like four or five, whatever, you're you're gonna get uh, some mega points. If you catch a fruit, it's uh, seven hundred points. There's a whole bunch of different bonus I- score items from like popcorn, burgers, diamonds, crystals, whatever. And those are five hundred to four thousand points. Ooh. Not gonna go through the whole list of the points because mainly because I couldn't find a whole list of the points. There's some uh, trivia about the game. 
This is uh, one of the earliest games to feature multiple endings. So yeah. I don't remember how you get different endings, but I think it has to do on how many times you get killed. I think it also has to do with the number of players, too. That Yes, it does. It does. The uh, game code contains uh, a full set of uh, slot machine uh, graphics, which are, aren't used anywhere, and nobody's really found how they would fit into the game anyway. Now, I thought this is interesting. This is from ArcadeHistory.com. In 1996, Taito announced they lost the original source code to Bubble Bobble following a reorganization. So when it comes to the recent ports and sequels, they had to work from program disassembly, playing the game in mainly the various home computer ports. So that's uh, interesting. The game forbids the initials S-E-X on the high <laughs> score table. If you try, it gets changed to an H and an exclamation point. However, I'll give you a little bit more information on that in a little bit here. There's more to it. There are some secrets to the game. This game was one of the first arcade games that was like chock full of like uh, secrets and cheats and power-ups and sort of thing. First of all, you can get unlimited run and rapid fire. At the title screen, if you do hit left, jump, left, one player, left, fire, left, one player, uh, it'll say in the bottom left corner of the screen, it'll say power up in red. And so you shoot faster and, uh, yeah, you run faster. So Now, I haven't been able to get this one to work. If you hit shoot, jump, shoot, jump, shoot, jump, right, one player, it will say at the bottom of the screen, original game, and give you portals and some screens. And if you get them, you'll get loads of diamonds. If you do uh, certain initials in the high score table, if you enter SEX as above, it'll, do, it'll change it to H and an exclamation point. But it'll also, in the background, have pitchfork flying cakes <laughs> and vegetables across the screen and turning the enemies into 6K diamonds. T-A-K, octopus turns bubbles into X's at the end of the level. STR, Flamingo turns bubbles into smiling turds at the end of each level. I'm going to have to try that one. <laughs> KTT, it's, uh, you know, it's a bottle of beer turns bubbles into pizza at the end of the level. Three dots, knife flying cakes and vegetables run, go across the screen and turn the enemies into diamonds. And if you hit I.F, MTJ, NSO, KIM, or YSH, Coke can flying sunflowers across the screen turn enemies into diamonds. As far as ports... Uh, this is a later game, so it's not on any of the classics, but it is on the Sega Master System, the NES, the Atari ST, the Amiga, and the C64. Yep. So that is, in a nutshell, Bubble Bottle. Do you have any uh, scores for this one? Um, yes, I do. Thank you for asking there, Jimmy the G. Both Twin Galaxies and Orcade.com, again spelled A-U-R-C-A-D-E.com, they both have Lonnie Johnson as uh, having the high score at 9,999,990 performed. This can be an extremely high-scoring game if you play it correctly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I totally believe that. Performed April 12, 2012. Is that it? That's it. Unless you want me to go to highscore.com. Nah, I think we're good there. Good. So, Sean, what do you think of the game? It's a classic. What can I say? Uh, I actually first played this on the Commodore 64, and then on the Amiga, before I even knew that it was an arcade game, believe it or not. The thing is, I loved it on both the C64 and the Amiga. When I finally played the arcade version, I found the music to be very agitating. I mean, it got, it's just way overbearing in the arcade game as opposed to how it, it is on the other ones. And it never stops. And it never stops. Not even thing, between levels. Yeah, And the thing is, it's one of the most well-known video game music pieces ever. Bands actually cover the damn thing. 
got. I didn't mention this, but there were some. Uh, there's some bands have actually covered it, and it was in, in my notes, but I didn't mention it. And the soundtrack on this one has also been released on vinyl. Oh, I think it was vinyl. Might have been CD, but it was released in a commercial format. And by the way, there is uh, a title for that music going around that, as far as I can tell, is bogus. Somebody oh. must have made it up as a joke, and it caught on. I have not been able to find any. Now, what I had seen before, I, th- I think ten pence or not ten pence, uh, uh, no quarter once mentioned this, that the music is supposedly an old folk song called "Dance Jemima Dance." Uh huh. If you do a Google search for "Dance Jemima Dance," the only thing you're ever going to find that has anything to do with music is "Bubble Bobble." I've asked around to folkies. They're like, no, never heard of such a thing. Somebody must have made that up, and it just caught on. It's probably just in-house music. Yeah, could be. My thoughts on this game, I really want to like it more than I do. I don't hate it, but it's not something that, that grabs me. I don't know why. Now, the NES version, when it came out on the NES, it was like all the rage. I think it was like one of the best sellers uh, one of the best third-party selling games hmm. on the NES, because I remember everybody having that game uh, back then, but it, I didn't. Oh, by the way, the first time I ever saw it and played it was at uh, Aladdin's Castle, Louis Joliet Mall. Thank hmm. you. And, I mean, and it's cutesy, and the, the music gets irritating after a few levels. A mechanic in the game I just recently discovered, and when I say recently, I mean, like, just about an hour ago, yeah. that if you uh, shoot a bubble, you can jump on top of yes, it if you time I it right. Yes, I love that. Because there are many places in this game where you will get stuck unless yep. you master that. Yep. Oh, yeah. And by the way, to uh, get into some of these uh, secret rooms, the first one, you cannot die up until level 20. Wow. Yeah, that And then you got to enter a door. And then there's another one you have to survive without a death all the way to level 30 and 40 and 50 and all the way up to 100 to get to these uh, secret rooms. Uh, I turned invincibility on just to try to get to one. And I got to uh, a screen, but I could not get to the door because of the way the level was laid out. I'm sure there's a way to do it. I couldn't figure it out. So <laughs> there you go. You know what? I'm going to have to rate this game a three. I'm just not a huge fan of it. I don't hate it, like I said. But it's just, I don't know. It's just kind of not my thing. I'm actually going to say four on this one, too. Because I mean, it's when you get into it, it's a really fun game. The problem, a big problem I have with this is I just can't do very well. And I can't get past like 14, I think, the level 14. Mm. But the problem I have that I think would have been an improvement, believe it or not, mm-hmm. an option to continue. Um, I thought you could. According to strategywiki.org, Bubble Bobble allows continues to be used when player run hours and lives. When most arcade games display continue timer before returning to the title screen, Bubble Bobble ends immediately once there are no players in the game. A single player can cover for the other player returning to the game. However, lack of second player requires a credit within the machine. Oh, yeah, so it doesn't actually have a continue. You just uh, have a second player ready to go. Oh, okay. So you can technically continue, but it's... I, uh, I think I get what they're saying. Yeah, it's a bit of a pain in the ass. But pain still, the my ace. four stands. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. You can... Yeah, no. I, I agree. Yeah, your four stands. I'm glad so, you agree with my personal op- yeah. opinion. Yeah. No, I think it can stand despite that. So, uh, really, that's... Uh, that's the episode, isn't it's, it? Well, no, it's not because we got to uh, see. We had some some pre feedback about this, so why don't we oh, talk you want to reveal the theme first? 
uh, not yet. Not yet. Okay. Let's keep people on the edge of their seats. Let's go back to what Eugenio says. Uh, and he Eugenio. Says, okay, he also spells it two words, T-O-Y space P-O-P. Toy pop. Here is another game I've never seen at an arcade, but I do own it on my PlayStation 2 as I have the Namco Museum Volume 1, which is really a PS1 game collection. The game is a fun one. The game mechanics remind me of Pango. I can almost see that, yes. Mm. And that you can kind of manipulate how the maze works. Yeah, in a way. It's a little more complex than Toy Pop. Sure. And he says, uh, I have to wonder if Pango was an inspiration for Toy Pop. The PS version is pretty much like the arcade game, so I suppose I should feel I'm missing much by not having played the game at an arcade. I really like the colorful graphics of this game and the music that plays as well. One cool feature of this game is that two players can enjoy the game at the same time. Well, you're assuming they enjoy it, you Anyway, (laughs) I do find it amusing that Pino, one of the characters the player can control, could easily be called Pinocchio. Okay, yeah. I'm called the, it. I, I'm the dummy. I'm the one who just, it just went right over my head. Uh, called it. They clearly just shortened the name to Pino to avoid legal issues. No, nah, I don't think that's it, though, because <laughs> the character of Pinocchio dates back to the 1880s. That's true. That's true. Acha looks like Little Red Riding Hood, so they were safe using that name for her. I, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know how I missed that, but yeah, hmm. I can see that. But still, I think that would be public domain, too. Oh, well. That's public domain, yeah. Uh, The game has a variety of toy enemies who can be hard to avoid as you run around the playing field. At least you can shoot them, but they seem to only be destroyed by certain specific weapons that the player can get by opening the many wrapped gifts spread through the box. So, yes, I like this one. Now, as for what he says about Bubble Bubble... Though I have not played the original arcade version of this game, I am familiar with it as I have the NES version and I also got the ST conversion for the Jaguar more recently. The NES version is very well done, and it is lots of fun to play. This game has a simple premise, blow bubbles at the enemies and pop the trapped enemies, but it is an example of how a simple premise can be quite enjoyable. I really like the in-game music as it gives the game a bit of whimsical atmosphere. As good as the NES version is, I think the ST port to the Jaguar is even better. The ST version is more accurate when it comes to the colors of the mazes and the look of the enemies. The sound and music are also better than on the NES version, as much closer to the arcade original. Stumbling there, there. Uh, There, there. Hmm. I'm still stumbling. Anyway, uh, Eugenio says, since I don't own a ST computer, Having the port to the Jaguar is really cool. As for the original arcade, I know I've seen it at retro events, but I have never been able to play it. It's a popular game where I've seen it, usually with several people waiting to play it. I do have to give the original arcade a try the next time I see the machine, even if I have to wait a bit in line for it to be free. So, that's all for today, going to the Final Frontier Gaming, and thank you, Eugenio, and by the way, the first time I ever played the arcade game, mm-hmm. I'm guessing it was Galloping Ghost, maybe even uh, mm-hmm. Underground Retrocade, because I just never saw an arcade bubble bobble until then, even at the Lewis Joliet Mall, even though I lived in Joliet, so I don't know. I'm sorry, at what mall? The mall in Joliet, the extant mall in Joliet. Oh, the Louis Joliet Mall. The Lou. I got in trouble when I worked at the Louis Joliet Mall one time. 
I was working at the A&W in the, uh, in the food court and I'd answered the phone, Louis Joliet Mall. And they're like, uh, everybody calls it Lewis. So answer it Lewis. And I'm like, well, Louis is the per- correct pronunciation. And then the next day my boss got back to me, you know what? You're right. But still answer it Lewis. Yeah. <laughs> little fun, little bit of trivia in my personal life. There. You should have just answered it A&W. Well, A and W Louis Joliet. Mall. But do they need to know that though? They kind of, what other A and W would there? There was no other A and W for miles. North Aurora. Yeah, North. Who's that one's still in business? Okay, you think they're you're gonna say? Oh, sorry, I thought I was dialing North. Do you? How many people did you get say? I thought I was dialing the North Aurora location. I'm so sorry, Mister. You'd be surprised. <laughs> Anywho. Anyway. So, what's the theme for this episode? Theme to a summer place. No. Have I done that joke before? Oh, I hope so. I don't know if I have. Well, if not, I've done it again. Uh. Extra value is what you get. These are games that involve pop, like toy pop, and then bubble bobble, you pop the bubbles. Ah, very well done. We totally forgot about what the theme was, but I forgot that I also had it written down in the spreadsheet. (laughs) So, uh, do we have people to thank? Oh, um, I guess we probably should. It would be the... uh the prudent gentleman thing to, thing to do um yeah we do and those people include uh richard grounds lance Endries, richard valdez tim foley new balance stores phoenix d alex nate lockhart christian williams atari bites timmy mac pj Steele, underground retrocade mike hat and jay kurt musgrave air shack keith sheehan rory coleman daniel chavis art guglielmo the SNES podcast, Mark Super, Steve Steiner, and Kyle Etter. Thank you all for being our sponsors on Patreon. And uh, and uh, Rory has a birthday coming. Oh, uh, happy know, upcoming birthday. Well, either upcoming. Yeah, and I know that. Or because. Upcoming. And I know that because our birthdays are the same day. Oh, happy upcoming birthday. And if uh, things also, go as planned, it will you, be still upcoming when you hear this. Yes. Oh, and also, if you guys, any of our listeners happen to find themselves in the Chicago area the weekend of September 11th, let us know because uh, Vintage Computer Fest Midwest is still on and we're getting a group of people to head over to the Weber Grill restaurant uh, to celebrate birthdays. Awesome. It'll be Pimpty time. Pimpty tear. Pimpty tear. That's right. Pimpty tear. Yeah. Um, Do we already see what the, oh, we should probably tell people about the next Next episode. Yes. What are we going to talk about? Tubin. Tubin. And Puyan. Puyan. Ooh. So, yes. Make sure you tune in for that. Yeah. Well, I guess that's it. I guess that is. That's episode 123, Bubble Bubble Toy Pop. And uh, this is Sean from Pie Factory Headquarters North. Uh, Which division of the Pie Factory Headquarters are you coming from? Uh, well, I'm coming from the new uh, division at the Pie Factory that uh, installs uh, windows and sashes. So you're getting serious about your windows? Well, windows and massages. And I'm going to have a brochure that I'm going to give you to explain windows and sashes. Hmm, okay. Yeah, just send that right over. I'll bring it over personally. Oh, we can get serious together. Yeah. All righty, so we'll talk to you all later. Nine times blue. Support your local arcade. Now I can say bye-bye. Pimpty tear. This episode of the Pie Factory podcast was edited and produced by Hyde St. Pierre. Opening and closing theme is the Happy L composed by Sean Courtney. 
Follow the Pie Factory podcast online via Facebook, on Twitter at Pie Factory PFP, or on piefactorypodcast.com. Support the show at patreon.com slash piefactorypodcast. Podcast.